Hello and welcome to Sales as Mental, a podcast promoting meaningful perspectives on mental health from people in the sales profession. I very nearly didn't record an episode of Sales is Mental this week for a few reasons. One, I've been feeling a little bit tired. Two, I've been struggling a bit mentally. And three, I didn't have a guest lined up for this week. And so I thought maybe there could be a pause. And then I thought, oh, no, I need to remain consistent. Um, And I think that's important, the kind of discipline aspect that comes from starting something like this. But then I also thought it wouldn't make sense because it would be in direct opposition to what I believe, which is listening to how you're feeling, your body, your mind, and taking breaks when you need to. All that being said, here I am recording an episode And I want to focus specifically today on imposter syndrome. Now, I don't have a guest today, so sorry to disappoint on that front. It will just be me. Um, But it's something that I've been thinking about a lot. So to zoom out and give you a little bit of context and to use that obnoxious phrase, zoom out, um, that we all use so often in the sales world. uh, Yeah, I've been reflecting a lot on imposter syndrome because I am two and a bit months into a new job. And so I am still very much in the figuring it out ramping period um, and learning a lot about the industry that I'm working in and the job that I have to do. And I'm so very thankful that I work with a ton of really, really thoughtful, caring, talented people. Um, And that makes a massive difference, I think, day to day in terms of my working life and feeling supported and understood um, and being able to be honest and open um, when things are a little bit tricky or challenging and get the support that I need from my colleagues. It makes a massive difference. But as I say, I wanted to, uh, to focus on imposter syndrome today. And I think in reflecting on a new job, you recognize or maybe you don't recognize until after the fact that it's incredibly mentally draining. And so I say that not that I'm not enjoying the job. Um, I really am massively so. And, And I think really what happens when you're mentally drained is that your brain is working incredibly hard to absorb new knowledge, the names of the people that you work with, you're forming bonds and relationships, and you're beginning to get to know how to do your job. Now, this isn't the first time that I've been an AE, so some things are familiar, but a lot is different. And I think that in life, we often have these moments of difference and these moments where we're trying to figure out our place within some kind of order. And that's really what I'm doing at the moment. And I think the emotional drain comes from that sense of wanting to put your best foot forward and make a good impression. But I'm very mindful of it becoming performative of just always kind of smiling and saying it's okay, or yeah, I've got this, I've fully understood everything, because you don't always. And I think it's the hallmark of a great company and and the place that I work is that everyone is always very willing to help. But there seems to be a level of honesty and transparency around where people are at. And I think the working world can become incredibly performative. 
and can become problematic as a result. I think it can be um, something that can be a little bit dangerous at times if you feel like you're constantly performing um, and constantly showing up to work in your work persona. I used to be a teacher and it's something that a lot of teachers talk about is that you put on your kind of your teaching face and your teaching voice and you go in and you teach. And I think it's kind of a sad thing in some ways because the reality is every day, um, was not the same. Every day you're not always feeling it. You don't always have that energy. And teaching more so than many other professions, in my my opinion, is incredibly emotionally draining. Now, I'm obviously very biased, but I had points in my teaching career where I felt completely burnt out, completely overwhelmed, and was really struggling with my mental health as a result. Um, and I had to take breaks and ultimately step away from teaching, partly because I don't think it's really what I wanted to do, but partly because I was just really struggling with my mental health. And my students um, and my colleagues were all very supportive, but it's very hard space because can you talk to young people about mental health? I believe you can. I think it's important. I think it should happen. But equally, it's not always as simple as that. And there's a lot of nuance to it. Anyway, I digress. I was kind of talking about that idea of putting your best foot forward and that being emotionally draining. And that's something that I've been feeling, I think, is just that drain um, that comes from putting that best foot forward and, and wanting to make the best possible impression. Now, it's not a pressure that I feel externally. In many ways, it's a pressure I feel internally. And I think that comes from how I grew up, how I was raised, that sense of always being conscientious. Um, the schools that I went to were very big on making sure that you presented yourself in a certain way, that you represented yourself in the best possible way. And perhaps that's also a British thing. Um, I think it's a great quality of the British people, but I also think at times it can be a little bit negative because it's the sense of we just kind of keep calm and carry on as that old kind of phrase or war poster goes. Um, so that's something that I've been thinking about in my new job is just culturally, what am I doing and where does this uh, desire to, to, to put my best foot forward come from and how can I balance it with a level of realism and a level of honesty around what I've been struggling with. The next thing that I was going to talk about is just the nature of sales in relation to imposter syndrome um, and specifically results. Now, results for me in my life have played a massively significant role. I think um, so many of us, we go to school and it's results driven. It's what grades are you going to get? You're going to pass or fail the tests and so on. And so much of life can feel like that that we're constantly kind of working towards results and goals and destinations. And I think those destinations can be really problematic at times because ultimately I, I don't really believe that you can arrive anywhere in, in any specific place. I think things are always changing, always evolving. The world around us is doing that. And so the more that we fix ourselves to a specific view or identity of ourselves, that can become increasingly challenging. And so when I think about results, in some ways, I think of them as this very kind of limiting view. Um, not that I don't want to achieve any kind of results, but equally, I kind of think about the nature of results. And why are we so focused on concrete things that inevitably will shift, inevitably will change. And I think results, when you think about them in relation to sales, are ultimately what you're measured on. And that can be incredibly problematic. And I'm mindful of going too down, uh, too deep down the rabbit hole of, of results and metrics and KPIs and performance and quota 
because I think it's so often talked about in sales. But for me, the significance of results in sales um, do feel like a pressure that I struggle with at points. Um, and I begin to think about, well, like, why do I care so deeply about results? And I think that's just the society that we live in. We're always trying to work towards goals and results. And that's great. And I think it drives things forward. But I also think for me, what I've learned about results is to not kind of rail against them too much, to not be too resentful of them. Ultimately, I have a job to do. And therefore, it's important that there is some kind of framework which drives progress. Um, otherwise, I feel like we'd stagnate. And I think as humans, that's just how we we operate, right? Like we we are always looking to evolve and adapt and make better and improve. And that's kind of incredible when you look at how that plays out in the world. And I think why I care about results is that they do motivate me in some ways, but they also have the opposite effect of overwhelming me. And I think that's sometimes where the imposter syndrome can come in of like, can I achieve these results? Is this even possible? Is this a goal that I've got within me? And so often it is, but I think that doubt and that anxiety comes from looking too far forward. And a lot of the desire um, is driven by a need for control. And I think that's a very common thing. And I think so often we reflect on the nature of control as an inherently bad thing. Like if I told you that I struggle with control and that I'm a controlling person, that has a negative connotation. And it's not that I have a desire to control other people or other people around me. Otherwise, I probably have some kind of God complex, which maybe I do. I hope not. But uh, but I think it's something to, to really reflect on is that sense of like, what can you control versus what you can't control? And it's something that I often think about in relation to some of the work I do outside of work. Um, I'm a big fan of the serenity prayer which I think talks about the wisdom to know the difference between the things that you can and can't control. And so for me, recognizing that results are something that are required, but then my control over the results only really equates to what I can do and what I can control. And when I zoom out, particularly in a sales context, there's only a few things that I can control and they're all rooted in my effort. There's nothing I can do on the other side, on the side of the prospect, the person on the other side of the Zoom or the call or the email. I can't control them. As much as I'd love to try, I have absolutely no control over them. And so for me, it's that case of remaining as consistent as possible. And I've always been a huge fan of sports. I played a lot of sports growing up to a pretty high level and was fortunate to to work with some some great coaches, some incredibly talented players um, and people I know who've gone on to play sport at a professional level. And so much of, of that world is about consistency and performance. And it's the same thing. It's results. And in speaking to some of my friends who, who play on a kind of professional level, they talk about that sense of imposter syndrome of can they do it? Are they going to perform on the biggest stage? And it's that same thing of focusing for them on control. What are the things that they can control versus what are the things they can't? And so I think that's really helpful when reflecting on imposter syndrome and those doubts that come up for me of like, can I do this? Is this something that I'm able to, to figure out? 
The next thing that I wanted to talk about is doubt. Um, I think doubt comes from that lack of self-confidence. And a lot of people will say, well, that's something that you have to work on yourself. At times you need support though. And I am a big believer that ultimately your self-confidence is, is born from within, but it's also shaped by the people around you and the messages that are reinforced about you, how you are, how you move through the world. And after that, it's about internalizing those messages from other people. And I think doubt often comes from a place of care, from a place of like, I want to do this well, but I'm worried I can't. That certainly rings true for me. And I wonder whether you feel the same. And so what I use to combat doubt is past experience. And I look at my life to date and I would say that my career has been less than linear. Um, I started off uh, working as a waiter before I went to university. At university, I did a few different jobs. I ran a popular culture blog, which was like a passion project of my own. Um, I also worked in the SU bar for a little bit and did odd jobs in the summer, selling things like commentary radios with one of my best friends. And, uh, and then after university, I landed a job in the world of like media and communications. I worked at a big agency and was only there for a few months because very quickly I realized this isn't for me. And so rather than probably doing the smart thing, this is way back in 2012, um, I decided this isn't what I want to do. And so I quit after, I think it was three months. And then I kind of staggered around, um, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I did a few different internships in London where I lived at the time and then ultimately kind of fell into a role that my mum found in the local paper. Um, yep, that's still a thing. Uh, and yeah, I, I ended up becoming a graduate teaching assistant and that led to me then going to university again um, to do my teacher training qualification and get my kind of, uh, I guess, master's equivalent in education is how you describe it in the US. And then ultimately... Worked for a teacher, uh, worked for a teacher, worked as a teacher and for teachers, I guess, for, for a number of years. And so when I look at my ability to cope, um, I overcame all of the doubt that I felt at the time. And so I look back and I think that's a really helpful way of combating doubt is that belief in yourself that you'll always figure it out. You will always figure it out. If you want to, if you care enough, you will figure it out. And it can be incredibly hard. And don't get me wrong, I've had a lot of struggles with my mental health and different addictions. Um, and that's something maybe I'll touch on in a different episode. But, but I think for me, recognizing that I've gone through those things and come out the other side and, and understood, okay, that's something that I went through, um, that I figured out and made work. Um, and it's the same with my sales career today. I am now in my third sales job. And every time um, I had doubts of, can I do this job? Can I figure this out? And every time I'm reminded of the fact that I can cope with that doubt um, because I've made progress and I'm at where I'm at as a result of my ability to, to combat those doubts. And the more that I recognize that I have that within me, that I'll be able to figure it out, the more that I feel comfortable with the sense of, yeah, this isn't something that I need to doubt too much. And so I guess to wrap all of this up and to come back to the idea of, of imposter syndrome, I think it's a, a pretty problematic phrase in a lot of ways, because I think as much as, you know, we all have doubt, I think that's what imposter syndrome is. And I think being an imposter 
suggests that you're not really meant to be somewhere. And of course, there's always exceptions to the rule. But I think generally speaking, if you've put yourself in a position, whether it's in sales or even a different career um, in your professional life, you've probably got there through some element of hard work. Now, of course, I know there's people who've played cons on companies and aren't who they say they are and so on. So I guess I'm, I'm, I'm relegating that outside of this conversation and thinking more about kind of the, the, the average person like me who is just trying to figure out, like, can they do something? Are they able to do it and overcome the doubt that they feel? I'm not an imposter because my company wouldn't hide it wouldn't have hired me if I was one. And I know that I've got the skills to do the job. And I know that deep down, if I really reflect and I'm kind to myself and I ignore that voice that's like, you can't do this, James. You're not good enough at your job. You don't have the skills. You're a bit of a fraud. None of that's reliable. And that's all coming from a place of fear. And all of that fear is rooted in things from probably childhood and my past. And I think to me, it's about recognizing the balance that you can strike, that taking a step back, you can realize, yeah, I actually can do this. And I've been hired to do a job and I believe that I can get good at this job. And if you're struggling, then you should talk about it and you should connect with people, whether it's at work or outside of work. It's something Leslie Douglas talked about in a, in a recent episode was that sense of having mentors in work and outside of work. And I think it's incredibly important to have those people and recognize that there are people who can sometimes give you a better perspective on where you're at and help you overcome those doubts. Because ultimately, everyone has doubt, but I don't believe that everyone is an imposter. And I think if we could maybe get away from that sense of imposter syndrome, um, and, and, and using that phrase and recognizing that doubt is a very normal thing. It also can help drive you in some ways. It can be incredibly helpful, can make an enormous difference to getting you where you want to be and need to be. Um, but it's learning how to handle it and recognizing that the voice that's telling you you might not be able to do this isn't always a reliable one. And the kinder you are to yourself, the more you open up space for grace and compassion for yourself and what you're going through. Because when we come to work every day, we're bringing everything that is happening in our lives with us, whether we choose to or not. It's in your brain. And the brain is an incredibly powerful thing. And there's all the things that you're cognizant and conscious of. And then there's your subconscious this kind of black abyss where there's stuff happening that you don't always have the answer to immediately. And it's making you feel stuff that you're not necessarily aware of. But eventually you do become aware of it and you do begin to figure it out. And the more that maybe you can look inward and have a little compassion for those parts of you that maybe do have fear or doubt, the more you're going to be able to overcome the sense of, can I do this? I think it's so incredibly important to approach your imposter syndrome, despite my, my now dislike of, of that phrase. Um, yeah, I think it's so important because the kinder you are to yourself, the easier it's going to be, both at work and in life. Um, and it's something that I think Brene Brown talks about, and it was in a podcast I listened to, and it was maybe even her husband who said that 
He likes to assume that everyone is moving through the world, doing their best. And I think at times the world can be incredibly overwhelming, whether it's politically or economically or any of the other crazy things that are happening in the world that we exist in. The more that we move through the world assuming that people are doing their best and the more that we can maybe reflect that same voice inward and say, James, I think you're doing your best or whoever's listening to this, you're doing your best. The more that you can say that to yourself, the easier it, be, it, it becomes to, uh, to process that sense of imposter syndrome and overcome any, any of the doubt that you might be feeling. Talk for 20 odd minutes about a subject. Um, but yeah, if this is something that you found helpful and that you'd like to, to share with someone else, then great, please, please go ahead and do that. But I appreciate you, you tuning in as ever until next time. Thanks so much for listening.